2: From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports
0: Open Line. Swing along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com.
2: He hits one deep to left field. You bet. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Thursday night, getting ready for Cardinals baseball here on KMOX. Get to 7.50 for so about an hour and 40 minutes before we get to the pregame show. 8.45 for the first pitch in San Francisco tonight. Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals. Logan Webb for the Giants. Should be a good pitching matchup. Again, a couple of guys that are pitch to contact dudes. Not that they don't strike people out, but they're, th- they're strike throwers and should be a good pitching matchup. Cardinals have some interesting things in their lineup. Uh, They've got uh, Nolan Arenado hitting third again. So that's back-to-back games now that he's hitting in the three spot following Tommy Edmond and Paul Goldschmidt. Juan Yepez back in the lineup tonight. Um, And, you know, look, I'm really going to be interested to see what they do with him. I'm going to talk more about this later on. But I'm really interested to see what they do with him if they give him a chance to just maybe get on a little run. I mean, he was crushing at Memphis. He went two for three with a couple of doubles yesterday, although one of them wasn't hit particularly hard. It was just placed very well. Um, I but I do wonder if he's going to get that opportunity now. He does not have split issues, at least he hasn't in the minors. He hits right-handers just fine, and uh, we'll see. I mean, look, the lineup needs a jolt. They've been inconsistent. You really have only had two or three guys that have been consistently bringing it on the offensive side here in the early part of the year. Arenado, obviously, Edmund. uh Goldie was off to a slow start, but really the last couple of weeks, he's been consistent too. Um, wouldn't be bad to, to add someone to that. Of course, I, I think O'Neal's going to eventually hit and all that. But anyway, we'll we'll talk more about that a little later in the show. We're going to get to, um, you know, the DH spot. Yep, is getting another shot today. Uh, I want to talk about the importance of the rotation. And even without Jack Flaherty, how good the rotation has been this year. That's a really big deal. So we'll talk a bit about that. Um, I'm going to get to a little bit of making a point about not overvaluing or overweighting or overrating early numbers from baseball players. You know, people are already booing guys that have big contracts, and I don't even just mean in St. Louis. I'm talking about around Major League Baseball. I tweeted about Trevor Story earlier. He got booed today because he struck out four times, and his offensive numbers stink so far, and he's in the first year of a six-year deal that's $140 million. And I want to get to that point about not making too much out of four or five weeks worth of numbers when you're talking about a six-month sport. So we get to that. Um, there's a great story in The Athletic today, you know, Saris did, uh, that talks about how hitters should swing less, that they should swing less, which is interesting because that would lead to better success in terms of hitting based on the numbers, based on, you know, what happens when you swing versus when you swing more selectively. But is that fun? it gets back to the baseball problem of efficiency versus entertainment. We'll go to that a little bit later on. And, of course, obviously talk a bit more about this series between the Cards and the Giants later on. But I want to start with the Blues. And, ugh. (laughs) Ugh. Last night wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, And and for understandable reasons, man. I mean, like, this isn't... To me, it wasn't a team totally laying an egg or anything. I mean, Minnesota came out smoking. They came out... um, ready to ready to, to to fight back. I mean, they were in a desperate spot. If they go down 2 nothing, heading back to St. Louis, clearly that's not a good spot to be in. So they came out well. Uh, the Blues struggled, uh, especially early. But the bigger problem isn't just that they lost 6-2 to two or whatever. The problem now is the health on the blue line. They lost Robert Bortuzzo yesterday. He left in the first period after, I mean, I'm going to just say it this way, and it was obviously not done intentionally, but... Uh, on his part, but he blocked a shot with his face and he was out for the rest of the game and we don't know what his status is going to be next week. Uh, Nick Letty was not available to play last night. Marco Scandella was not available to play last night. So, yeah, it's less than ideal when you're going to play a game two against a desperate team with only five defensemen instead of six. And keeping in mind that you started that game with your seventh and eighth defensemen dressed and playing in that top six. So yeah, you were already, I mean, even if you had all six, you were already dressing guys that aren't really a part of the plan. And if you have to dress, not just dress, but but skate, like like play your seventh, eighth and ninth defensemen as a part of your top six tomorrow. It's going to be a problem, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you know, guys are hurt when they're hurt, and when they're okay, then they're back. But that's that that makes it a lot more difficult. I mean, I, we, we knew that Scandella was hit or miss. Um, we we knew that Craig Berube had said that Nick Letty was a game time decision yesterday, so we knew that those two were at least potentially going to miss the game. But you didn't know you were going to lose Bortuzzo on the back end either. And, you know, you, you might get one or more of them back, hopefully, tomorrow. Uh, if you don't, again, it's going to be a challenge because, I mean, it's the playoffs. And, you know, when you've got defensemen 7, 8, and 9 dressed in your top six by necessity, it's not easy to make up that difference. I mean, there's a reason why the guys that are your regular players are your regular players. So you're going to be you you may be i didn't i shouldn't say you're going to be because you we don't know exactly what the next couple of days are going to look like uh when it comes to you know getting these guys ready we know that scandella's got a lower body injury we know that nick letty has an upper body injury it sure looked like letty's head got smacked into the boards in game 1 so i mean we may be dealing with a concussion there with bortuzzo the 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 puck to the face can be broken bones, it can be a concussion, uh, it could just be a bad cut, although players normally come back from bad cuts unless there's something more to it, so hopefully there isn't, but yeah, Bortuzzo's shot leaves you with a couple of potential problems, and that's where you stand right now. You know, you're you're, you're looking at the very strong possibility of being really short on defense. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, obviously it means you have less room for error. I mean, I I think it means you ask more of your forwards uh, in your own zone. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that they they didn't do that last night or they weren't trying to or they don't play that way all the time. That's not really what I'm saying. You're saying, you know, when you're down something, somebody else has to make up for it. I mean, yeah, you can say, well, the guys that step in just have to play those roles. But, you know, they're probably not capable. They're not as good as the players that they're replacing. Otherwise, they would be in the lineup to begin with. So that's going to be the challenge. Not I'm not really too concerned. I mean obviously with injuries you're always worried, but I think you can beat the wild even if you're not healthy there. I mean missing 3 guys is a lot, but I think you know if you get a good goaltending night from from Billy Huso, if you can if the offense can come out and get you and put you in a spot where you can get an early lead and you don't have to be pressing while you're behind and doing that while you're short on the blue line. That, you know, you can definitely win games even if you're shorthanded, but man, you need to get these guys back sooner rather than later. Because even if you do, and I still I still think they're going to beat the Wild, uh, but it's certainly a little bit less certain given the current circumstances. But boy, could you, if you're short going up against Colorado, mm, not happy about that. So I guess we'll watch how it goes over the next couple of days. We are going to hear from Craig Bruby in a couple minutes. He talked a bit about, you know, everything coming out of last night's game, the status of these guys, all of that after practice today. So we'll get to that, and I have a few more thoughts on the Blues heading into Game 3 against the Wild coming up next here on KMOX. (laughs) All right, a little bit more on the blues and uh I already gave you my reaction to last night and I'm still feeling pretty good about the rest of the series but obviously being short uh if you're going to be short three defensemen or even two <laughs> It's going to be a bit of a difficult issue. It's going to be even more of an issue if you advance and take on the Avalanche. But either way, um, things are what they are, and you just have to wait for uh, the guys to get healthy enough to get back out on the ice. But instead of more of my reaction, let's hear a little bit from Craig Berube, and then we'll talk about some of the things that he hits on. This is from after practice earlier today. was
4: out there S- skating yeah. just a while ago. Was that a sign that he's closer or not necessarily? Well,
3: he's been skating. I think it's more... You know just trying to keep him going here the best we can and if he feels like you know he he comes in and is skating he feels better you know and you know you never know right um, yeah. but it's just trying to keep him going
4: yeah you've seen a lot that, that had to be a little scary for you to see or two, yeah it?
3: it's a tough play real tough play um, so glad he came out of it all right like you know I mean not You know, too hurt. Like, you know what I mean? That could have been dangerous. But, uh, yeah. So, I was fortunate for him. Does
4: it just show you how fearless he is? It just
3: doesn't. Yeah, he lays it on the line all the time, right? No matter what. And when there's a broken play like that, that's what he does. He goes down and tries to block things and help out the best he can. And, you know, a tough play. And
4: and then, Perunovich, I I think reading back when he first had the surgery, it, it was about. Right about now that he was going to get reevaluated, does that sound right or no? Get the wrist reevaluated or
3: no? Or has he? No, I think you know he's making progress. I mean, he's skating and he's doing more with his wrist and <clears throat> like, you know, he's he's getting better and better. Like uh, a timeline on it, that's tough for me to give you a timeline because, you know, it boils down to. When he starts doing the puck battling and the battling and things like that, that's what really going to test it. Yeah, you you're
4: obviously really use yeah. the risk for that kind of stuff. What kind of that. reports did you get on Santini from uh, Springfield? Normal, like he's you know obviously a
3: real good leader down there, and he gives you everything he's got every shift. There's no doubt about that. I mean he's he's you know a difficult guy to play against. He's you know physical and just simple with the puck. You know that's his game.
4: You had to put him in last year, even yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, you were okay with him,
3: right? I was. Like I said, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to wow you with a puck play or anything like that, but he's going to make simple plays, and he's going to play hard, and he's going to battle it at the net and do things like that. He's going to try to make it difficult for the other team. Craig,
4: you said, Craig, you said uh, a couple of days ago, I guess, with the Thomas line, they're going to get difficult matchups, and they just, they're going to have to fight for their ice. Did they do a better job?
3: Better job. You know, I thought, uh, you know, I looked back, Bucci hit the crossbar. Tomer had some good looks, just got deflected or just missed. And then Vladdy, you know, Vladdy scored, hit a post. Uh, I thought Fleury made a really, really good save on that rush play. We went back door. Uh, It was a great save by Fleury on that play. So they had some looks. Um, So I was pleased to see them get more offense uh, last game. Than they than they did the game before, um, you know. They just got to keep battling through it. Like there's not going to be easy ice, you know. And um, overall, we get overall offensively we didn't do enough in the game. We got to get to the net more. We've Got to make it more difficult. We got to we got to get to the net. We got to get second and third opportunities around the net, and we got to get there. Does
4: that just go with possession time, having a little more time? Have
2: to get there or,
3: or no no it's more of a mindset more than anything <clears throat> that's that's the biggest thing
2: there you go Craig Baruby from after practice today and you know you hear that last part I mean it's kind of the regular stuff you hear from teams uh when you're trying to be better right get to the tough areas get to the front and it's never it's not wrong it's always right it's just uh you know that's something that you know you're, you're trying to find ways to make up for a, a kind of a downer of a performance again it's you, you understand when you're shorthanded, but there was more that went into last night's loss than just you know you're you're being a little shorthanded on defense so um interesting uh interesting to see how this is uh gonna be played out with the blues but um i as I said earlier i I, I don't mind the matchup I think it's okay. Um, I think you're going to be even, even shorthanded. You got a pretty good chance, but you know, you look at how game one went and how the game was controlled. And yesterday it was pretty quickly out of the gate, not your day. And then you're chasing the rest of the game. That's not the good feeling. So I'll be curious to see how the team starts uh, in game three, coming up at enterprise center. And again, nice to be coming home, even up one, one there, you go out and you do your job. You get one of the two at least and uh, we'll see how it goes, and we'll obviously update injuries and all of that uh, in advance of Game 3 tomorrow. All right, coming up next, we're going to start shifting our attention to the Cardinals. They take on the Giants tonight uh, in San Francisco. And the Giants just made a change for their pitching matchup today. Uh, Logan Webb is not going to start today. I've been, uh, I have been—I was looking at uh, Susan, Susan Slusser uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle, which covers the, the Giants, um, and uh, I believe the A's as well sometimes. But she tweeted, that uh, that Webb is going to start on Saturday now. So he was going to go today. He's now going to go Saturday. Today's going to be a bullpen day for the Giants with Mauricio Yovera as the starter. So you probably won't see him for more than a, a couple of innings. But we'll, we'll we'll talk a bit about that matchup. I got a few other issues I want to get into. I want to talk about the importance of a healthy Miles Michaelis as we go through. Uh, there are a few other interesting things about early season performance and. You know, not getting too excited and not getting too worried. All of that I want to get to. Next up, let's talk a bit about just what we know about Game One for the Cardinals and the Giants. Uh, Juan Yepes getting another shot in the lineup. A little bit different look to the batting order. We'll talk a bit about all of that as we get ready for Game One coming on up next here on KMOX. Welcome back
0: to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet.
2: This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, so we turn our attention to the Cardinals opening up a four-game series against the Giants in San Francisco tonight. These two teams come into play today in the exact same spot. They're both 14-10. and 10. And, uh, you know, look, they, they both, you know, the Cardinals have been a little, not a little, uh, they've just been inconsistent offensively this year. I mean, that's pretty easy to say when you look at the game by game, how it's been playing out. Uh, the Giants are not all that different. Um, they, they haven't pitched quite as well as the Cardinals, although it, it's very close like this stage of the year, you know, one 2 tenths of, of a run of ERA, really not that big of a difference, but you know, there, it should be an interesting matchup. You know, you've got a bullpen day for the giants today. Logan Webb was going to start, but it's going to be Mauricio Llovera. And, uh, and he's been a reliever. He's never made a major league start. So this will be his first big league start, but he's probably, I don't know if they're going to go straight opener but it's probably something along those lines of a bullpen day for the Giants today and then obviously Miles Michaelis is going for the Cardinals. Uh looking at the Cardinals lineup today is is pretty interesting. You know, they're they're trying to shake things up. Uh, and I give, you know, look, I, I, Oliver Marble t- said this all along that they're going to they're going to change things up based on performance, based on matchups. Uh, they're not going to get married to any particular thing. And, you know, look, they're, they're sticking with a few things, right? You're sticking with Edmund and Goldie at the top in part because they've both done a really good job of getting on base. Uh, and you know, earlier in the year, it was Dylan Carlson who was hitting at the top. Well, he wasn't getting it done. He's been struggling. So now he's in the number eight spot and Arenado has been consistent. He's been dominant and heck, why not put that guy up? Right after the two guys that are getting on base a lot, so now Arenado's in the three spot, following Edmund and Goldie. Tyler O'Neill's getting a crack in the cleanup spot today. Juan Yepes is back in the number five spot. Uh, so again, I, I no, again, no no big problems here. I don't. I mean, they they need guys to start hitting. I mean, this is the the truth of it all. You know, everybody's mad at Paul DeYoung, and understandably because he's struggling. Man, he's been struggling now for, well, I mean, you know, probably two and a half years. You know, he struggled last year. He struggled in 2020, although that was really a half year. And then he struggled in the second half of 2019. I mean, so, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, he needs to be better. And if he's not going to be, then then you're certainly going to need to see somebody else in there that's going to get the job done. So maybe, you know, Edmundo Sosa certainly would seem to be the first guy in line once they decide to go that route. And then after that, we may see what happens with Nolan Gorman and then what their feeling is about Tom Edmonds sliding over all that. But I think that would be a little further down the line just based on how they're acting, the way that they've done things so far. Uh, Who knows, though? Maybe, you know, maybe Brendan Donovan gets a look in some of this. Not at short. Um, I think Edmond's probably better suited to playing short. But Donovan's here. He's not getting a lot of playing time. And maybe there's an opportunity there here in the not-too-distant future. But the bottom line is that it's not just Paul DeYoung that needs to hit better. Yes, he does, or he needs to come out. I think we again, I agree. I'm with you. But it's not just him. You know, again, Dylan Carlson is really struggling. He's got a five oh six OPS. I mean, he's negative war, negative wins above replacement this year for Dylan Carlson. And, you know, with with Yepes here. And he had a good first game. He's back in there today. If he starts to swing the bat, those at bats are going to come at somebody's expense. Now it's most likely Corey Dickerson's expense, which is interesting because he really hasn't had much of a much of a chance to gain any momentum here yet. Anyway, but it's probably at his expense. Probably not at Albert's expense. At least. Not when it comes to lefties, because Albert is beating the heck out of lefties. He's just not hitting righties. He's only two for 21 against righties. But yeah, I I think it's really easy to point out who needs to be better. This is not calling anybody out. This is simply an observation of reality. You can't be consistent offensively when Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina, all those, you know, Corey Dickerson will throw him in there. It's not been a lot, but we'll throw him in there. Um, you know, Edmundo Sosa hasn't done anything when he's been in the lineup. That's part of the reason why he probably hasn't played more, because when he's been in there, he hasn't done anything really to 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 merit more time. Although you could also you could easily make the argument that you got to let him have you know three, four, five, six days in a row to play to get some to get a chance to get it going. But the the truth of the matter is that every guy that I just listed, again, Carlson, O'Neill, Bader, DeYoung, Molina, Dickerson so so you name it all of them need to be better than they've been i mean it's easy simple the numbers tell us that it's not narrative it's not emotion it's very obvious what they need to be and they need to be all of those guys need to be above average to good players uh maybe not all of them look honestly if, if DeYoung and Molina were just average like league average you're fine that'd be fine you need O'Neill though to be good you need Harrison Bader to be at least average, maybe above average. You need Dylan Carlson to be at least average, if not above average. Now, I'm going to get into this a little bit later on, so I'm not going to go too deep on it now, but uh, after the news, I want to talk a bit more about, um, you know, the importance of not drawing conclusions, of not overweighting the first month of the season or any single month of the season. And the the reason it's more difficult in the first month is the lack of 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 uh, counterbalance. You don't have the other good months to balance out a bad month. If you're great in April and May and have a crappy June, your numbers still look pretty good. When you have a crappy April, your numbers just look like garbage. So yeah we I think it's really easy to say that there are six, seven guys in this lineup that need to be better. and again. Not it's not a calling anybody out. It's not. It's not even all that critical. It's just a fact. I mean, look at the numbers. The numbers tell you the story. Now, what's what's keeping the Cardinals in a good spot is the pitching, and that's something I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. Is the starting pitching, especially, which is interesting, because you haven't had Jack Flaherty at all, but your starting rotation has still been significantly better than it had than it was last year. So. You know, when, when we're looking at what we can what what would make this team start to go a little bit better, what would make them more consistent, it is the the focus is on the offense for that reason. Because the the starting pitching has been what you need it to be. It just has. And your bullpen has been pretty good. You've had a couple of bad outings here recently, but you know, a couple of the bad outings didn't really matter because you were already down five runs when they came in and you know, you you didn't score any runs in the end, anyway. So it's not like it's what changed everything for you. But you know, I I do think that as we kind of assess, you know, what needs to change, because because we have to understand, like Nolan Arenado is not going to hit like this all year. So when he starts to come back to his more normal performance, you have to be able to make up for that with other guys taking steps forward and you know while Paul Goldschmidt's been really good getting on base and doing his whole thing there the power hasn't been there yet although you know I got I think it's important to to kind of use use last year to give us some perspective and it's not just last year I mean you know a player like Goldie player like Arnauto they have long track records but you had an offense with the Cardinals last year that for a lot of the year was a problem it was a concern Uh, and you know, we we had our issues with it, right? Like last year at this time, Paul Goldschmidt had a 597 OPS. And Arenado was a 780. And, uh, you know, DeYoung was struggling. And you, you were playing Justin Williams almost every day and not getting much there. Tyler O'Neill was okay early in the year. But, boy, later in the year, he was just killing it. Like, absolutely killing it. And the problem with... Asking people to be patient is, it feels like you don't have the time for that. Even though you do, even though you've got five more months, you're looking at the standings and you're seeing, you know, that it's, that you're, you're behind Milwaukee, that you're close. And I, and I I think that, you know, when you're talking about comparing the Cardinals to other teams, you know, Milwaukee has the best record in the national league right now um well they have the most wins uh they have the second best winning percentage but they have the most wins with 18 the Mets have 18 but the Mets have an extra loss the Dodgers have played fewer games but their winning percentage is a little better but keep in mind you know know, we talk about the Giants being the team that was a 105 win team last year they're at 14 and 10 too and the pace 14 and 10 is a 94 and a half win pace 94 95 wins is going to put you in the playoffs it's going to have you in the division race. When i look at the cardinals right now, i see an offense that's underachieving. An offense that that clearly will be better. It's just a matter of how much better and which guys are you going to be able to rely on once that once things start to level off later in the year. I look at Milwaukee and i see a team that's overachieving offensively. Now they're they're definitely a good team on the pitching side. And look, maybe maybe they are able to piece together their offense a little bit along the lines of the way that the Giants did last year with using heavy platoons and playing certain guys against certain in certain matchups. You know, Yelich has been a little better here lately. So his he's starting to look more like his old self. Not quite there, but you're getting a little bit more out of him. But I would also say that, you know, when I look at Milwaukee's lineup, I Rowdy Telez is not going to have a nine sixty six OPS all year. He's gonna hit for some power, but he's gonna come back down to earth. They do have some guys that I think are like Colton Wong performing well below what I think they'll do. But overall, offensively, I think they might be a little bit, a little bit above their heads. But their pitching obviously is really good. So um, even if the offense slows a little for them, their pitching is gonna keep them right there. But what I'm saying is, Milwaukee's not a hundred win team. Neither are the Cardinals. We're both looking at probably somewhere in the in the mid 90s. I think maybe the upside is like 97 for, for these teams, 98. That's like the really good side. I'd expect it to be more like 94, 95 for, for those teams to, to potentially win the division. And part of the reason I think they, that they're going to win so many games is that the rest of the division just stinks. I mean, Pittsburgh is not good. The Cubs are not good. And the Reds are, oh boy, 3-22 and after today. 3 and 22 and they are negative 87 in the run differential in 1 month. That's a lot of wins for the Brewers and the Cardinals. <laughs> All right, so l- next up let's change the the gears just a little bit. I'm going to talk more about the offense. I'm going to talk more about what what uh, assigning proper weight and and value to statistics in the first month of the season. But next up I want to talk about the pitching because my opinion of last year was what did them in was the rotation. It wasn't erratic bullpen stuff at the end of the year with with Alex Reyes getting weird and some other guys being hurt. It wasn't the lineup that was inconsistent for a lot of the year. It was the starting pitching. And so far this year, the starting pitching has been really good. We'll talk about that next up here on KMOX. All right, let's dive in a little pitching here. We've been talking a lot about the offense because we tend to talk a lot about the part of the team that worries us the most, which is which again is totally fair and understandable. Um, but you know, the thing that really held the Cardinals back last year was starting pitching. I don't think there's any debating that. Um, it's it's a pretty simple thing to look at. You know, the number of guys they had to cycle through, the number of just crappy starts that happened because guys ran up pitch counts or walked people. Uh, And it didn't settle down until, you know, Wade LeBlanc and John Lester and Jay Happ, those guys came in later in the year and just threw strikes. I mean, they weren't amazing. They weren't dominant. They weren't awesome. They were just adequate. Well, the starting pitching has been better than adequate this year. And that's even without Jack Flaherty. And that's why you're 14 and 10. And that's why I'm not as concerned about the lineup. Because you're 14 and 10, even with the offense being eh. And really, you know, I, I talked about this last night. You know, they rank basically middle of the pack in Major League Baseball, right? There's a league average offense. Well, keep in mind that that's average because Nolan Arenado has, has been an alien. Because he's been ridiculously good. When you take him out of it or Edmund out of it and you look at everybody else, they're nowhere near league average. So you have to understand all of that when you're trying to break that down into pieces. But the reason they have this wiggle room is that the starting pitching has been phenomenal. They already have ten quality starts this year, as a staff. Um, and again, that doesn't sound like a lot, but for a, I mean, well, I mean, off the top of your head, it might not sound like a lot, but you know, ten quality starts already this year in one month is a really good start to the season, especially when you haven't had your number one starter. And you know, when you look at last year, for example. You know, you had, I believe it was I can't remember exactly how many quality starts it was. I mean, put it this way Adam Wainwright had twenty two quality starts last year. The next highest was nine. So, you know, you 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 basically had nothing going on in that regard. And this year, you got Miles Michaelis pitching like one of the best in the National League. Now, again, he's not gonna have a 152 ERA in July. But that's not the point. The point is that he's giving you innings. He's almost exactly at six innings per start. He's getting some swings and misses. He's not walking people, and he's limiting production against him. Dakota Hudson hasn't been amazing, but he's been good. He's got a 316 ERA. The walks are a little high for him, and that's the worry. He's got to get the walks down. But other than that, he's been pretty good. It's not Again, not perfect, but good. Adam Wainwright, not perfect, but good. In fact, Wainwright's starts have really been kind of half and half, right? Like three have been amazing. Three have been not so great. But the in, the in the end, you're still talking about a guy that's getting you, you know, six innings every time out. And you're talking about a guy that's got a 318 ERA. And of course, Steven Matz had one particularly bad outing. And outside of that one outing, he's been really good. You know, his first outing was, was really bad. Uh, and, you know, he had another one, the the one against the Mets that wasn't great. He gave up four earned runs in four innings. But that first one against the Pirates, the seven earned runs in three innings, that's what has jacked up his ERA. But in, in three of his last four outings, he's given up zero, one, and zero. So in three of his five outings, he's been exactly what you need. Now, again, you want to avoid the blowups, not excusing those, but the point is, Matt's has is, is got to get a little deeper into games. And, the, you know, the blow-up games have da- they've damaged his innings pitch so far. But even he's striking people out. Fastball's got great life. He's striking out 10 batters per nine innings right now. And he is, even though he's had the the, the couple of bad outings, he's kind of in the spot where Lester and, and Hap were last year. You know, ERA in the fours they're they're you know they're keeping you in games but he at least can miss some bats and i think you know in 3 of his 5 starts we've seen better than that and of course jordan hicks in his starts has been uh mostly okay his last one wasn't as good but really that that one we're still kind of piecing together and they've they've been able to Play around because of the rainouts, they haven't had to use the that fifth spot in the rotation, but but three times they've only needed three spots, three starts from that spot in the rotation, and they're going to need more. And whether it's Woodford later on, or Berhagen comes back, or Matthew Libertor gets called up, or Flaherty comes back off the injured list at some point, which by the way now certainly isn't going to be until June. I mean, he hasn't started throwing yet, so he, you're you're going to be at least. I mean, I'm 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 just spitball in here but you're going to be at least 4 weeks from the time that he starts throwing. I mean, you got to build up to long from from just playing catch to long toss and then you got to throw off the mound. You're probably going to face hitters and live BPs and you're going to have to go on a rehab assignment. I mean, we're probably looking mid-June at the earliest. And again, that's just spitballing. maybe it's better than that. But the point is your rotation has been very good. The most of the bullpen has been amazing. Yeah, you had a couple of bumps in the road. Gallegos has had a couple of crappy outings, as an example. But you're getting what you need from the pitching. You have one of the better pitching staffs in the National League at this point. And they're leaning on that while you're trying to get the offense going. Speaking of offense, we're going to talk about how you weight stats early in the year and whether or not hitters in general should swing less. That's all coming up after the news on KMOX.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network,